The year is 2008. The U.S. is going through a turbulent financial period. You've just been appointed the director of a major NASA launch site. And the first thing you hear is that the agency is ending the program the site is best known for. So what do you do? Bob Cabana was in that position at the Kennedy Space Center. He tells Federal News Network's Eric White how he and his management team transformed the center to become the epicenter of commercial space activities and how they ended up as a finalist for this year's Service to America medals in the Management Excellence category. When I first arrived, we had to fly safely fly out the rest of the, uh, the shuttle missions. So we still had uh, three to four years more of flights. And we were also getting ready for the Constellation program, which was going to be the exploration program that followed on to the uh, shuttle. But my first all hands when I got on board back in October 2008 was uh, the message that the shuttle program is going to end and we have to start planning for our future. And it, it was a message that not a, folks, not a lot of folks wanted to hear. But uh, that was, I think that set the stage for the start of uh, our transition to what we became. And so you hear that the shuttle program will be coming to an end, and yet you still had to plan out for those remaining missions. Uh, what was that like, planning for missions, but also knowing that these are not going to continue? <laughs> well, I will tell you that uh, the team was more focused on those final missions, I think, than any of the others. Um, the Space Shuttle Atlantis flew its final mission, STS-135, in July of 2011, and it landed on a Thursday. On Friday, the very next day, 2,000 contractors got pink slips and walked out the door. But yet, that was probably one of the cleanest missions that we ever flew, and that's the dedication of the team down here at the Kennedy Space Center. When the shuttle program ended, we went from a workforce of 15,000 contractors and civil servants down to 7,500 in two years. So, I mean, it was a huge hit to the uh, to their morale, to the economy in the area. And then on top of that, uh, in 2010, the exploration program, Constellation, had also been canceled. So there was an uncertainty about what was the future going to be. And so what was your thought process into go, thinking, how am I going to keep this place up and running, really? I mean, you know, they're, they're, you got to find something for them to do. Uh, how did you come about the idea of in introducing more commercial uh, space flight operations and also maintaining that we are a government agency, we need to have U.S. funding here? Sure. So, you know, there aren't very many times in one's career where you get to define what you want your future to be. Most of the jobs we end up in, we're trying to keep something running and slowly improve it. But uh, we had the opportunity to define what we wanted our future to be. And uh, through strategic planning and working together, um, one of NASA's missions is to enable commercial space operations. And so we looked at all the facilities that we had. And first off, we couldn't, we couldn't afford to maintain everything that we had. The shuttle paid for everything at the Kennedy Space Center. So we did an analysis of all the facilities. Uh, by now, we had uh, started up with uh, SLS and Orion. We had a path forward for exploration. And we, we looked at, okay, if, if we don't need it for SLS and Orion, will it enable commercial operations? And if it doesn't enable commercial operations, we're just going to uh, tear it down and get it off our books to reduce our uh, operating expenses. If it does enable commercial operations, we're going to go out. We went out with this uh, broad area announcement of our facilities asking if there was interest uh, from commercial companies. And, and not everything worked. 
You know, we had another a number of companies that uh, uh, took over some NASA facilities that were not able to make a go of it. Uh, one was using the uh, parachute packing facility. Uh, again, you know, because of the downturn in the economy back in 2008, they didn't get as many government contracts as they thought they were going to have, and so they were unable to expand like they had planned. And so we ended up taking that facility back and uh, eventually getting rid of it. Uh, another was looking at some of our uh, non-destruct inspection equipment, NDI equipment, in uh, one of our facilities, having a commercial company take that over and provide that service. But again, they were not able to make it profitable. We ended up taking that back and uh, distributing the equipment and, and downsizing in that regard. But a number of areas, um, there were facilities that definitely had uh, commercial uh, uses, and like the orbiter processing facilities. Uh, they used to take care of processing the orbiter after it landed. We had no, no use for them anymore. Uh, we leased uh, one of them to uh, Space Florida. That was the first agreement we signed, in fact, uh, allowing Space Florida to take over uh, maintenance and operations of uh, Orbiter Processing Facility 3 in the engine shop. And they were able to bring uh, Boeing into that facility after uh, modernizing it. And now the the Boeing commercial crew vehicle, the uh, CST-100 Starliner, is being built in that facility. Uh, OPF Base 1 and 2, we uh, uh, signed an agreement with the Air Force for them to uh, take that over, and now the uh, Air Force uh, X-37 orbital test vehicle is uh, operating out of those facilities. And it lands at the shuttle landing facility, gets uh, processed and uh, encapsulated there, and goes out to launch. Uh, huge savings for our, our nation, and it's more responsive also. Uh, we signed an agreement with... Uh, with SpaceX to take over the use of Pad 39A. Uh, again, for our, it's now called the Artemis program as we return to the moon and go forward. Um, we only need uh, one high band vehicle assembly building, one mobile launcher, one launch pad uh, in order to support that. So this other pad would have just rusted away in the salt air because we could not afford to continue to maintain something that we had no use for. Instead, uh, we have a 20-year use agreement with SpaceX. Uh, we signed that in July of 2014. They had their first launch in um, January of 2017, just two and a half years later off that pad. Since then, they've had uh, over 18 successful launches off that pad for uh, both the Falcon 9 and the Falcon 9 Heavy, and that's where the commercial crew entrant that SpaceX is uh, building the Crew Dragon on a Falcon 9 is going to launch off that pad. Um, we expanded Exploration Park. This is a research and development park that was on Kennedy property. We moved the uh, secure perimeter, and uh, working with Space Florida, uh, we have an enhanced use lease with them for using utilizing what is the uh, Space Life Sciences Lab that was built in 2004 to support the shuttle and space station operations. Uh, that became the anchor tenant. Uh, since then, they have uh, Blue Origin in there uh, to build their new uh, uh, new Glenn rocket. They have uh, OneWeb building satellites. They signed an agreement with Firefly, a small uh, venture-class uh, rocket that's going to be uh, built there, and they're looking to expand. So. This was a, it was an iterative process. Uh, we looked at what we had, we made it available, uh, we evaluated uh, the companies coming in to make sure that they fit what was appropriate for uh, 
work here at the Kennedy Space Center. And slowly, we've been able to uh, grow. And as it becomes uh, successful, more uh, companies tend to move in and the supply chain moves in. So it's been a, a real resurgence but it, uh, in the space industry here on the Space Coast. But it, it's been a partnership between the community, uh, the state, and all of us working together uh, and, and my team uh, working to iterate this plan every year to improve it and make it better. We're speaking with Bob Cabana. He's the director of the Kennedy Space Center for NASA. And with all these partnerships with private companies and you said that you kind of commercialized the assets that needed to show their use, so to speak. What can you tell me about the mindset of shifting to you're at a government agency and you got to kind of think like the private sector now in, you know, is it profitable? Is it worth it? And rather than, you know, is it useful or what are the American taxpayers getting out of this? Well, the American taxpayers are getting a vibrant uh, space program. People talk about government space and commercial space, and and there's only one space. And if we're going to be successful as a nation, we need uh, both government and commercial space integrated together. And I think it's it's critical to our future. So, you know, I I mean, it's a a great benefit to our nation as far as uh, utilizing these facilities that otherwise uh, would not have uh, been used. So... It's just it was the right thing to do. And, you know, I I look at you still have to have a business case. It has to be profitable. As I said, not not everybody was able to make a good go of it. But uh, those that have, you know, it's been a a great success. Uh, We we have commercial crew uh, operating now. And it's my goal, uh, NASA's goal to have, uh, you know, crews flying to the International Space Station on a U.S. rocket from U.S. soil, hopefully by the end of the year, if not early uh, early next year, and both Boeing and SpaceX are uh, working hard to uh, to make that happen. And they're utilizing facilities that uh, otherwise would have uh, just uh, rusted away here or been torn down. Uh, it's it's really, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's exciting to see. This is a, a great time. And by enabling these commercial operations to low Earth orbit, this allows NASA to focus on that uh, really challenging job of exploring beyond our home planet, is establishing a presence in our solar system beyond planet Earth. And through the Artemis program with the uh, Space Launch System and and Orion, we're going back to the moon. We've been uh, tasked by the president to have the next man and first woman on the moon in 2024. And uh, we're working really hard uh, to make that happen. And eventually, the goal is boots on Mars. So as we learn in operations uh, in the lunar vicinity, uh, we develop the systems, the operations that we need to be able to go on to, uh, to Mars. The, the neat thing about this is, unlike Apollo, where it was a, a two- or three-day camping trip, we want to make it sustainable. And we're not going back alone. We're going back with our commercial partners and eventually our international partners as we, uh, as we get back to the moon. So it's just uh, it's an exciting time here on the Space Coast, and it, it's great to see all of our efforts these last uh, since the end of the shuttle program, these last now uh, seven, eight years, uh, come to fruition. On that last note, you've been around for a while. Do you see the benefits of being able to have a partnership with the commercial space industry and international partners now rather than uh, the prideful, you know, uh, this all needs to be American made, you know, made by the American government. What kind of benefits have you seen from being able to uh, work with 
uh, people rather than, you know, competing against them? Well, uh, first off, every spacecraft we've and rocket we've ever built has been built by a commercial company. Uh, you know, what we're doing now, it's just a, uh, it's a different way of procuring the vehicles, and, uh, and the companies themselves have a little more skin in the game. So financially, it's a, it's a better deal for the taxpayer. But, you know, I look at the, uh, the space station on orbit and the model that we have working with our international partners. We have shown that uh, working together has great benefit, and I believe when we explore beyond planet Earth, we're going to do it in an international cooperative effort. Um, and the commercial aspect of it is we're working very hard to commercialize uh, the space station and commercialize low Earth orbit to provide a destination for these uh, vehicles. But they're also going to be uh, great partners with us as we move forward to the uh, back to the moon. Um, this orbital gateway that we have around the moon that allows access anywhere on the lunar surface, not just at the equator as we did during Apollo. We've already let the contract for the... Uh, power propulsion element. Uh, we are letting a contract uh, for the uh, utilization uh, habitability module, which will have a docking port on it. And by the end of the year, we hope to let the contract for the, uh, the lander that will enable the Orion spacecraft to dock with it and have the crew have access to the moon. So right now, we're going to fly SLS with Orion on a test flight without crew by the end of the year, early next year. And then in 2022, with a crew to the moon, but not to the lunar surface. And then the third flight, Artemis III, will be with the crew uh, to, the, to the lunar surface. And another program that's helping enable all that is the, uh, the logistics contract. As we did uh, commercial cargo to the International Space Station, uh, there's a project here at the Kennedy Space Center for the gateway logistics that will be very similar, uh, utilizing uh, commercial vehicles to uh, to supply the gateway and operations on the lunar surface. So, uh, you know, again, very exciting time, very positive as we move forward. With all these plans coming up, uh, my mind is drifting back to the workforce um, issues around it. You know, with the commercial space industry kind of up and coming, uh, are you finding it hard to compete with uh, them for talent? So for the last seven years in a row, NASA has been number one on the uh, employee viewpoint survey as the best pace, place to work in the uh, in the federal government. And uh, I, I'm very proud of my KSC team. This last year, we were number one of the NASA centers. So NASA is still a draw. People want to come. I, I have no problem getting talent uh, right out of uh, college as well as uh, mid-level folks that want to be part of our NASA team. But uh, again, it, it's not government or commercial, it's government and commercial. I mean, we are uh, partners with our, with our commercial companies that are supporting us. It's uh, We have pretty much a badgeless society. And I, the other companies, you know, they're, they have no problem finding folks that want to be part of this mission. Uh, space still excites. Uh, people want to be part of space exploration. They want to be part of this industry. And it's it's exciting. They it's I can't say enough good things about it. So, yeah, we have no problem getting talent. Um, it, this is that's the, one of the advantages of being here on the space coast is, uh, in addition to the uh, to the location and, and the facilities that are available, uh, there's also a wealth of uh, talent and uh, engineers and technicians. And I think it's uh, now's our time. The nice weather doesn't hurt either. <laughs> no, it, it doesn't. I agree. So I, I just want to say I, I really appreciate uh, uh, 
the KSC leadership team being nominated as a uh, finalist for a, a Sammy. I think it's it's really cool that uh, we got recognized uh, for what we've accomplished, and uh, you know it's neat to be part of that. Uh, group that uh, got nominated and hopefully things will work out and we'll we'll see where we end up in October but uh, I, I couldn't be more pleased with uh, with the team here at the Kennedy Space Center and at NASA uh, we are doing great things for our nation and uh, uh, as great as our last 50 were, years were we just celebrated the 50th anniversary of Apollo 11 which was absolutely phenomenal I think our next 50 years are going to be even better. Bob Cabana is director of the Kennedy Space Center at NASA, talking with Federal News Network's Eric White there. And you can find this interview anytime at (coughs) federalnewsnetwork.com. Cough and cold season is here. Introducing Ricola Max Throat Care, Ricola's most powerful drop yet. It's the best of Swiss nature wrapped around a powerful liquid menthol center for maximum relief from your worst cough and sore throat. Maximum nature for maximum relief. Try the new Ricola Max now, available in the cold and cough aisle. It's in our nature.